You're listening to The Jay Barker Show on Tide 100.9 in Tuscaloosa. Welcome to Big News Sports, featuring Lars Anderson, New York Times best-selling author of 12 books and a 20-year veteran of Sports Illustrated. Matt Coulter, a former Alabama Broadcaster of the Year and longtime media personality. And Christian Miller, a national championship winning linebacker at Alabama who was drafted by the Carolina Panthers. Here's Lars, Matt, and Christian. We're off and running in a hurry here. Let's jump on with Robbie Glenn, our baseball authority at the SEC baseball tournament being held in Hoover. Robbie, thanks for joining us. I know you got a busy schedule. We got a busy show, and we're leading your leadoff batter. Not many first basemen do that. I know. That'd be the first time. I mean, I wasn't exactly known for my speed, let me tell you. So, uh, yeah, great being back with y'all, man. What a game last night, huh, or yesterday. Yeah, yeah it was. Auburn, and, uh, like that. Man, Auburn fought back at the end. Just kind of recap it for us here, please, Robbie. Yeah, you know, Auburn tried to make that little comeback. But, you know, I, I was really never worried about it. I, you know, for Garrett McMillan to come and get six strong innings, you know, working his way back in, that's just going to help them down the line. And, you know, used a couple pitchers. I was a uh, – Oh, big boy came in from Trustville. What's his name? Uh, uh, they call him Big Country. Big Country. I mean, played, you know, offensive line was, I think, all state and that, too. Just coming in, just throwing hard and strikes. You know, he had, he's had a couple pitches get away from him. Um, had three walks, I think. But everyone else came in, did their job. Um, again, I, our hitters, our big hitters did good, you know. But they wasn't their best game, either. They had a couple RBIs, but, like, one for four. Uh one for five from our leadoff, but, you know, I think once they get those guys going and you saw where Caden Rose picked it up and uh, Ed Johnson, you know, everyone picked each other up in this lineup. So that's a dangerous team. Yeah, uh, Alabama's now 10-3 um, and three since uh, Brad Bohannon was fired. And, and uh, through the first 10 games of the tournament, the Tide had a SEC high 31 hits, also struck out the most 28 times. Um, do, you just, do you notice anything different about the team before Bohannon was fired and now? Oh, no, you know, really nothing. I mean, you might, like I said before, I mean, this, this team's been playing like this all year. I mean, they got 40 wins now. That's a great year. So, uh, you know, yeah, they got hot a little, little bit more after, after all this, uh, went on. But, uh, I, I think this team's just, uh, been playing like this. They're, they're, they're playing really good and solid. Remember, you got some, you got a bunch of seniors. So that helps. I mean, these guys have been here, been through the trenches. They know what it takes. And then they got some strong freshmen and sophomores and juniors. It's just a great lineup. And I think, you know, Coach Jackson is just letting them play and making the right calls with his pitchers. You had asked me a book before about how you change your pitchers. Now, now I'm a little worried. You know, they still got a lot of arms. But let's say you you, you want to win tonight. You're going to go play Vandy. But let's say you win again tomorrow and then have to play again a doubleheader. And then Sunday. then you get worried about the regional, you know, about your pitchers, how many you use. But, you know, 
Because you saw LSU and Arkansas do that last night with a pitch count on their starters. I mean, when they get 70 pitches, and they pulled them. So I was surprised, and you and I were texting back and forth when uh, Tommy Seidel stepped out. Um, I mean, I think he had had five hits in a row. If you go back to the previous day, and then yesterday versus Auburn, he had a home run, a double, and a single. Following the single, uh, they pulled him. I know I was surprised. You were too. But I think it's – is it a minor muscle pull? Yeah, you know, that you, you saw what I did. He said he slid or something awkwardly and felt something. But, uh, you know, he, he said he was okay. Um, so probably just precautionary. And like you said, next guy up. I mean, he came in behind him and just – he did his job in the F. I think he had three or four balls hit to him after that. So, um, I think, I, you know, I'd be surprised if he's hurt. I, I think he'll be there tonight against Vandy. So, I think it'll be all ready to go. And they're fired up. I know they are to get Vandy again after taking two out of three, but Vandy's going to be ready for him, I'm sure. Do you think the win last night cemented Alabama as a top 16 team in the NCAA tournament and, uh, uh, it will allow them to host an NCAA regional uh, at home w- for the first time since 2006? I, I would think so. I, I would think they made a strong case for it. Um, I'd be shocked if they weren't. But, you know, if they go on the road and be a number two seed somewhere, you know, keep the team unity in a hotel, might be a good thing too. But if they do get the host, they have a better show of them. We need some fans there supporting them. So let's. Let's pack it out. I know they'll be there, to, like both places tonight. You got a softball and baseball going tonight. Former Alabama baseball star Robbie Glenn is with us on Big Noon Sports, presented by Haley Sansing Union Home Mortgage. Uh, I want to talk about Auburn for a minute because I've been kind of singing their praises here, but in the tournament, uh, they were exposed a little bit. And I certainly don't think they're going to host. What are they going to end up? What assessed them after last night's game? And then will they end up being like the two seeds? Somebody called in when you were uh, talking. Who did you say we're talking about? Uh, I was talking about Auburn. Uh, I think they they showed a few holes. They showed a few holes in this tournament. Um, They just assessed their play. And moving forward, what will they be a two seed at somebody else's regional? Uh, they could be. I mean, just because they lost to a hot Bama team, I don't think will hurt them that much, personally. Um, they're still one of the hottest teams out there. So, yeah, if they go somewhere on the road, number two seed, they'll be ready to play, too. They, they can play. And they battled back against Bama. You know, Bama jumped on them, and, and uh, they just kept going. But I, like you were saying, it seemed like uh, Bama was in their head a little bit. Pitchers had them all messed up on what they were throwing. So, it was a good called game by uh, – Coach Jackson, he made he made the right choices, or if the catcher was calling it, made some good pitch calls. Robbie, what do you expect tonight? Alabama versus Vanderbilt, and how how has Alabama fared against Vandy this season? Uh, you know, winning two out of three, I like Bama's chances tonight. Again, like I said. The really strong hitters, even though first baseman tore it up last night, and so did uh, Tommy. But, you know, Andrew had two RBIs, but he went one for four. And uh, so did uh, Shelton, you know, had one hit. But they're still getting their RBIs. I think the bats are going to be hot again tonight. I expect them to beat Vandy and get a shot at uh, Florida or Arkansas tomorrow. 
There, this happens every year, Robbie. Uh, about this time of the tournament, a couple of days in, everybody's just juicing, jacked, watching, and keeping up. And somebody says, "Ah, oh, they're going to end up moving it from the Hoover Met." I absolutely deplore this idea, and I think most of us do. First of all, where would they go, and how would they get better treatment than they are now? And again, the SEC didn't start this. Hoover didn't start this. I am as a probing member of the media, but I just think that's a bad idea all over. Yeah, I, I don't like that idea. Uh, you know, just because I played at Bama and I'm from here, you're not going to find anyone that caters to you better. Um, all the restaurants, hotels, what they've built around the Hoover Met now, you know, for kids to play, water park, you know, just just everything. So I, I, I don't see them going anywhere, but if, if it would be, it would probably be an indoor, maybe that's what they're pushing for, like a Dallas or something. Yeah. Texas and Oklahoma are coming. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, as, as I mentioned, I, I think Alabama is locked into a top 16 team. Even before the first pitch last night, uh, D1Baseball.com projected uh, actually both Alabama and Auburn to host a regional. Uh, I doubt Auburn will. But, um, yeah, just how big, if they play at home, just describe to us what it's like, uh, what that, what the, what the home stadium is like. I, I know all about, I've been to a couple, couple games there just as a, just as a viewer. Uh, what's it like playing at home here in, at Alabama? Well, first of all, if you play at home, you've had practices, games, you're, you're lucky. These guys, these guys are seniors. They played a lot of games right there at Sewell Thomas. So they know the light. They know how, they know where the sun comes down at certain times of the day. They know the, the bad hops. They know everywhere, if there's a bad hop, they know the foul, the, how much room they got in the foul territory. You know, plus they have their fans. So, and they're sleeping in their own beds. You know, I don't know. They might have a routine where they go to a hotel. That wouldn't be bad. But, cause then, then you have, you know, under, under control. But yeah, they want to play at home. Cause they, like I said, they got, they got everything going for them and they know the stadium. Not saying they can't win on the road either, because I always like going on the road. I like people booing us. <laughs> yeah, and you really like to have a, <clears throat> an upper-class laden baseball roster, and, and Alabama certainly has that. With all their hitting and the way the pitching has come on here late in the season, I think that may be their strongest trait. Uh, these guys have been there, done that, gotten a T-shirt, so to speak, Robbie. They are very experienced, and there's no fear. None at all. Very relaxed. Not worried if uh, they get down, they come right back. Um, and, that, again, that's being seniors. But these guys look like they're all close, man. They're cutting up in the dugout, just having a good time. And the pitchers, like I said, not walking anybody. They had a couple last night, but just giving them solid outings. And then that defense behind them is making plays. That's one of the better defenses I've seen, like, period. I mean, it's the catches they're making, the throws they're throwing people out of the plate, just, just awesome. All the way around. Robbie, get to your meeting. Love you. Thank you for coming on again, and we'll do this again on Monday, and hopefully uh, you'll be waving a big crimson flag. <laughs> All right, fellas. Appreciate having me. Roll tide. All Thanks, right. Robbie. Oh, scheduling sometimes. You just got to line them up and let them go, and that's what we're going to do when we get back. Big news sports as we will wait for
Welcome Stallions tight end Jay Sternberger into the show. He was with us a week or a couple of weeks ago, and he was a fantastic guest. So we're going to revisit as uh, the Stallions get ready to take on the breakers tomorrow afternoon at 3. You're listening to Big News Sports. From T-Town to the Plains, this is Alabama's most in-depth analysis on the SEC. This is Big Noon Sports. Home base in Birmingham, Alabama. We are here treating patients from every generation across the United States and from around the world. We're here for the rookies and the dreamers trying to make a name for themselves. We are here for the achievers who are resilient and won't take no for an answer. We're here for the coaches, athletic trainers, and mentors who are shaping the next generation of legends. We are here for you, aggressively pursuing victory over injury. Learn more at andrewsportsmedicine.com. The children's music and dance teacher who couldn't cha-cha. I was always on my feet. It was just so painful. Elisa couldn't let her students down. So she stepped up and went to the Good Feet store for personally fitted arch supports. I would work an entire day and my feet didn't hurt at the end of the day. That was when I knew, wow, these are different. But the really good part, it's good to be dancing together again. Stop by or schedule your free fitting at goodfeet.com. Hey, this is Reagan, owner of R&R Cigars, the Cigar Mansion in downtown Tuscaloosa. Located at 2703 6th Street across from the Home 2 Suites. Come down to R&R and see why we're the ultimate cigar and bourbon experience. With over 165 bourbons and five private barrels, our selection of bourbon is unmatched. We have the best cocktails around and our cigar selection is legendary. Our lounge and service are world class. Come and experience the luxury of the mansion and see why it's a world-renowned cigar and spirits destination. Tide 100.9, Tuscaloosa weather. The sky partly to mostly sunny this afternoon. Just a small chance of a shower through the evening hours. The high today 83, tonight's low 55. For tomorrow and Sunday, partially sunny both days. Only isolated showers around. Highs between 77 and 80. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 80 degrees in Tuscaloosa. Big name sports artists and Matt Coulter, Jeff and Aiden at the controls. Appreciate their work. But, uh, we've always, we're always throwing them yet another ball to juggle as, uh, we have just done here. We're waiting to get in contact with Jay Sternberger and we'll do that in just a minute. But Lars, you and I really brought Robbie in right off the top. Uh, one of the other things we need to cover, uh, I guess I want to get this in real quick because you called it. Uh, how about them Celtics? Yeah, they played really well last night. Miami was flat, and now it's uh, 3-2, and uh, heads back, the series heads back to uh, my, no, yeah, heads back to Miami for game six. I think if Miami doesn't take care of business in game six, I'd put my money on the Celtics in game seven. So to me, this next game for the Heat is going to be do or die. And I expect them to play very, very well. Uh, Jimmy Butler was kind of, he's kind of been silent the last two games. Um, but, uh, I think Jimmy Butler needs to be the playoff Jimmy Butler 
for Miami to wrap this up. Otherwise, Miami is going to be in danger of, of making the kind of history that you don't want to make. And that is to become the first team in NBA history not to win after holding a 3-0 lead in a playoff series. Well, we'll see. And it's a, always an interesting topic to bring up on whether or not it's good to have the time off or keep playing. But we're going to put that particular, the NBA on hold for a minute. Welcome in Jay Sternberger, tight end, one of the top receivers, uh, not just for the Stallions, but uh, for the entire USFL. He's got 21 catches, 285 yards, three touchdowns. Jace, it's uh, Matt and Lars. Appreciate you joining us again. How uh, how are you, man? I'm doing good. Again, thanks for having me. Uh, yeah, doing good. Excited for this weekend. Yeah, you guys owe the breakers one, don't you? Yeah, they were. They, yeah, they were. They had a good time last time we played them. Yeah. Um, what are your expectations? Uh, this is a really important game. Four games left in the season, and uh, I mean this this could come down to really playing a role uh, in in who makes the playoffs and and who doesn't. Is that are you guys just viewing it as another game, or is this one just a little bit different? Uh, not it's it's different, but it's not it's not different because of the opponent. It's more so because uh, kind of like in in NFL terms, you know, what I'm saying we're we're in the November stretch, you know, the November December, like that when and teams can win in August or September and October, and that's all great and good good for the media. But you know, come those that last that last half of the season, those when the games really start to matter, and uh, so we just know these next four, like you said, these next four games are most important to us, and it. Uh, strictly just because it's, it's getting to crunch time where the other two teams in our division have proven themselves. And um, I think everybody would agree that the South right now is, uh, I'd say all four teams are pretty, pretty solid throughout compared to the other teams in the league. And, uh, like I said, it's, I think it's going to be a fun four weeks, but there's definitely been a change of urgency in practice. And, uh, I think players are just kind of like, okay, like, oh shit, like we, we only have four more weeks left. Like this is, you know what I'm saying? It's now or never. Like, there's no more waiting around to see what happens. Like, no, like, playoffs are almost it, – it's time. Jace, you and the Breakers both are in the same hub in Birmingham, home games, protective stadium. Uh, do you see these guys walking around? Do you socialize with them, or do you keep the distance from the New Orleans team? then – we have different schedules, so we don't see each other as much as you might think. The only time we really see each other is when we'll be going, like, days that we work out, we'll go to the gym, and when we have to go to the weight room, they'll be in the gym, like, finishing up their treatment, getting ready for practice, because they practice after us, at, you know, at a different time. And so that's the only time we really cross. And then, like, you know, the, foot, the in the football fraternity world, everybody kind of knows everybody. So we got guys who we've played with guys before in New Orleans, or I don't know anybody on New Orleans personally. But uh, I know there's other guys on the team that that they that they know each other. So, but yeah, I don't I don't really speak to any of them. Chase, um, how does your body feel at, at this time of the season? And 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 is it any different than when you were playing in the NFL, just in terms of the physicality? Uh, I would say just this how I play the game. My body, my, my body feels good. Like I said, I, I try to prioritize it, take care of myself to help myself prevent injuries and let things, let little things, you know, slowly add up to big, that lead into big things. And so 
I try to do a really good job of take, taking care of my body. Uh, I would say it is a little different because I feel like uh, in the league, everybody is just stronger already. Like, instead, like we're in the USFL, like, you know, there might be two or three guys that are like really, really strong where the league that, you know, all the D line, all the front seven are, they, they, they could bench press a, a cow if they needed to. And so <laughs> just the, the wear and tear can, you know, be a little more intense in that, in that aspect. Jace, one of the things I really like is Mike's up. Now, that's not always a great idea. Words uh, are going to fly. You know, that's going to happen. But when they go to the right. sideline and Skip brings over you and Alex, wide receivers, brings everybody over, he doesn't call a play as much as he suggests it, and he gets y'all's reaction. Is that new, or have I been missing it in pro football all my life? Yeah, I think, you know, every coach has a different way they go about things. And, you know, especially Skip being offensive-minded, you know, he does like uh, – he has an idea of what he wants to run, but he just kind of wants to see more of so, like, how it hits our brain. Like, you know, there are certain plays that we've ran this week in practice that maybe he, Skip really likes, but we just haven't maybe executed them to, in the way that gives him the, the most confidence. But, you know, there are times whenever he'll name drop a play and, like, my eyes might light up or Alex's eyes might light up. We're like, oh, crap. Like, no, this play would work. Like, this, this, like, let's do this. And so uh, it's not like he's more so suggesting. It's more so he's kind of, like, letting us know what it's about to be. And then if he doesn't like the energy or, like, maybe how he reads it, then he might change it. But, yeah, no, the, the mic'd up thing is I, I love it. I think it. I think everybody should be mic'd up in every league because I think it would give the fans, they'd get to see how – you know what I'm saying? It's, there is more to it than just what, what y'all see on TV. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, I love it too. And it, it, uh, it, 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 you're right. It brings a whole new element to the experience of the fan that you just, you don't get, uh, when you're watching an NFL game. Um, have you been around quarterbacks who really are, are, they kind of tell the coach, Hey, this is what I this is what I really like, uh, and and in in the quarterback coach relationship that really kind of determines the play call. Because I I wrote a book with Bruce Arians, and Bruce would always like when Carson Palmer was his quarterback, Carson would pick the first ten plays of the game on the script, and Bruce did that to uh, really give Carson. Uh, sort of a sense of responsibility that, hey, he needs to pull these plays off because he picked them. Is there, is there, is that kind of how the dynamic exists on your team? Um, I'm not going to lie to you. I really don't be in those conversations with, with Alex and Skip. So I, I genuinely don't know how their relationship works behind closed doors, like what they talk about in their meetings and stuff. But I do know for a fact, like when I was in Green Bay, with my time with Aaron and everything, that's kind of how Bruce did it with Carson. I know that Aaron and uh, Lafleur would meet, and Aaron would go over his favorite fifteen, and they would talk about uh, Matt's favorite fifteen, and they kind of feed off each other. But uh, so to answer the first part of your question, have I ever been around a quarterback where that's been a lot? Like that's definitely how it was done in Green Bay, where Aaron had his say on what he liked and what he didn't like, and then you know Lafleur would kind of call in favor of Aaron. So. Uh, here though, I, I really don't know what, what Skip and Alex talk about whenever I'm not around. Gotcha. Hey, uh, getting off the football field for just a minute and, uh, get a little more information on Jace. 
both your parents were really, really good athletes. Is that correct? Uh, no, we're not going to give my dad that title. Really good, but we'll <laughs> give him. He was a he was he was a solid he was a solid athlete. No, I'm just joking. Uh, yeah, but my mom was a stud. My mom was a stud. Um, you played some basketball too, didn't you? Yeah, yeah. I, like I said, I, I played basketball and then I ran track. I, I gave up baseball in middle school. Uh, I started running track just for football and everything. But yeah, but my brother, my little brother, uh, my middle brother, he plays college basketball at uh, Southeastern where uh, Dennis Rodman went. They've they've been really good the past two seasons. But yeah, so I got a college basketball player brother, and then my youngest brother, he's going to Southeastern as well, but he's going to play football. So the the goal is to uh, I think you mentioned this last time you're with us. The goal is to get back to the league. Um, how much time off, in theory, would you have before you would uh, really start up with your next team or with with uh, with an NFL team? Uh, best case scenario, meaning we that means we would win the championship of the USFL. Uh, I think I would be home like that 4th of July weekend. And then depending on what team either offers me or if I have, if I'm fortunate enough where I can, I maybe have a couple of options and can choose from. Uh, I, I know for the most part, like camp starts that last week. We report that last week of July. So it'll be about maybe three weeks at the most, at the most, other than about two and a half weeks, three weeks. Because camp that, usually that, starts around July 20, July 25th, 26th. So. Doesn't doesn't that seem like a lot of football on your a lot of a lot of hits on your body? Uh, yeah. I, I, again, I don't want to jinx myself since I play tomorrow, and like I don't want to have a target on my head getting smoked. But, <laughs> right. Um, you know, so I, like I said, in the in the passing game, I really don't get hit that much. I mean, I get tackled, but like I'm not taking. And they've changed the rules so much where you can't just get decleated every play, and then. You know, in, in the in the trenches, you know, it's so it's so it's so much footwork and hand speed and technique. Uh, I don't know. I feel like I've been able to, you know, avoid big big body contact on certain situations. But it definitely is a lot of football. But for me, um, I think I might even mention this last time. You know, being in football shape is so hard to to replicate in your off season training programs. Like you can condition and run as much routes as you want, but it's like that first day of practice, you're still dead tired because like you're doing football plays. Like it's just different. And so, uh, I think that's an, it's an actually be an advantage for me is just being in football shape. This will be the best shape I've ever been into going into a training camp. You know, that is if I can stay healthy these next five, six weeks. And so, uh, like I said, that's more crucial right now is just staying healthy more than anything. And uh, like I said, everything's been working out so far. So I'm just going to, you know, stick with my routine. But, uh, yeah, it is a lot of football. And, you know, OT, you know, the NFL, they're doing OTAs and everything right now. But obviously, like, they really only hit during minicamp and teams aren't really even hitting. So, um, like I said, I think if you can stay healthy, it, it's going to be a, 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 a positive thing. But obviously, like, if you're if you're battling injuries, and shit, you only got three weeks to get ready for. Then I think that can be tough. But, yeah, one of my one yeah. of my friends one of my friends who covers the NFL he refuses to call them NFL mini camps now. He calls them NFL meetings. <laughs> they, that's really I, it's, it, yeah. It's NFL show your face and just show you care about the team and you you, you want to be there and that you're gonna and you're gonna give good effort. But you know nobody's nobody's hitting in, in June because it's like. Well, we got we got a game in three months now. It's like let's not let's not blow our load just right here. 
Jace, not to get into a lot of personal details, but just I'm curious, what what will you do the rest of the day, and do you have a regular pregame routine? Uh, so it it, it 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 depends weekly on you know if we have a road or away game. You know, on away games, obviously we'd be going to the airport today. Uh, but no, I like to. I'm a homebody in general, especially I have a son, so. Uh, He's actually getting to come down this week. He's actually coming down here tomorrow, so he'll get to come watch my game. But uh, usually I try to stay off my feet, and then come, when it comes into the evening, I'll go go to the store. I'll get my hydration stuff, you know, my Pedialyte, all this. And then, like I said, if we play a night game, I'll usually get my get my meal ready. Like, I I eat a certain thing, and not a certain thing, but, like, in the same food, the same category. Uh, but, you know, I really don't don't do too much there's not as i've gotten older i've tried not to be so superstitious about certain things yeah. uh that and that that's hard to do actually because it's like I, I really do think about those things so i'm like but i got it's not like i gotta do it but it, it just makes me feel staying in that routine more than anything all right it just reminds me of uh, a guy you probably heard the name but never saw a play as a baseball hitter named wade boggs that religiously ate some type of chicken before every baseball game of course he led the league in hitting about 10 years and is one of the all-time greats and a Hall of Famer. So sometimes you got to stick That's with what, it. You I, gotta, yeah. Yeah, I usually will. I, I, I try to stick because my thing is uh, I'm not, as, as being as big as I am, I'm not the biggest eater in the world. And so, like, when especially on game days with, with just, you know, being nerves and just thinking of other things, sometimes me slowing down to eat is kind of hard. So, Whenever I do have my meal, I try to make it pretty big, and I, I need it to be heavy. So I've always been a—I'll always have steak before a game. Well, it seems to be working great for you, Jace. Thank you for your time, and uh, we'll see you tomorrow afternoon. Sounds great. Thank you, guys. All right, thanks, you Jace. Uh, he originally signed and played with the Packers, caught a touchdown pass from Aaron Rodgers. Uh, I've watched this guy with great interest, Lars, and I feel like uh, you'd love to keep him as a stallion, but. He's got great hands. He's six four. He's two fifty. He's he's got a really good resume. Uh, it would not surprise me to see him back in the NFL. Uh, yeah, I, I agree. I, I think uh, of all the stallion players, he uh, he's right up there uh, with the, the sort of the best prospects of getting back into the league. And certainly, he'll be in in a in a camp and. And, you know, for his sake, hopefully he gets several different offers and then, you know, he'll, he'll be able to pick which team will, he'll have the best shot at, at being that, you know, that third tight end. And, uh, you know, I, I think he's got a legit shot. He's a good player. Uh, the other guy that I think will see time in the NFL again is Wes Hills running back from New Orleans. And you can see him. Tomorrow afternoon at 3 o'clock. It is also a Stallions reunion weekend, which uh, I'm going to be a very, very small part of. I'm very honored that they asked me to. I want to talk a little bit about that on the other side of the story. Uh, and we'll continue to talk about the SEC baseball tournament as you listen to Big Noon Sports, presented by Haley Sansing, Union Home Mortgage. From T-Town to the Plains. This is Alabama's most in-depth analysis on the SEC. This is Big Noon Sports.
The story of the nurse and the foot pain that nearly brought him down. I feel like I'm giving people their lives back. Robert lived to take care of his patients, but he couldn't do it unless he took care of his foot pain. I have plantar fasciitis. It'll almost put you on your knees. That's how much it hurts. His own recovery started when he got fitted for arch supports at the Good Feet store. Now that I'm pain-free, I can make these people feel better. Can't beat that. Stop by or schedule your free fitting at goodfeet.com. Securing the best mortgage possible requires a lender who has knowledge, is trustworthy, and treats customers like family. And no one is better at all of this than the mortgage miracle worker, Haley Sansing. Based right here in Tuscaloosa, Haley Sansing has spent decades working in the mortgage industry. With Haley, it's personal, holding your hand from contract to close. With Haley, it's about one thing, you. Call Haley on her cell, yes, her cell, 205-792-1813. That's 205-792-1813. Let Haley help you. NLMS number 230376. The universal truth of women's shoes. The cuter they are, the more they hurt. You have to put your best foot forward, and if your best foot is an ugly shoe, oh my goodness. Lee Sand thought she had to choose between looking good and feeling good until she got fitted for arch supports at the Good Feet store. Now I can wear the shoes that I've picked out because I like the way they look, not because they were comfortable. Good Feet relieved her pain and her fashion dilemma. Stop by or schedule your free fitting at goodfeet.com. Right here in Birmingham, Alabama. We are here treating patients from every generation across the United States and from around the world. As respected industry leaders, we are here working hard for you in an effort to provide you with excellence in sports medicine, excellence in research and education, and excellence in sports injury prevention. We are here for you, aggressively pursuing victory over injury. Learn more at andrewsportsmedicine.com. will pick up this afternoon and on to the evening LSU Texas A&M Bama and Vandy the nightcap and I'm sure the Met will be a buzz again we just talked with Jay Sternberger tight end for the Stallions and this is the Stallions 2 the original Stallions played from 83 to 85 right here in Birmingham and this city embraced them and I was a very young member of the media it was like my first full year in television when suddenly, um, you know, here comes this league, here comes this team. And then uh, many of the members of the team, because they drafted regionally, were guys I covered at the University of Alabama. You know, guys like Jackie Klein, Buddy Idlett, and Joey Jones, and late dear friend Bill Searcy. Um, but that linebacker who's just flat out crazy, we've talked to him before. His name was Herb Spencer, and he hated quarterbacks like nobody I've ever seen. But he put together the reunion this weekend, and if you're an old Stallions fan or a brand new one, be there. They're going to honor these guys at halftime, and I'm looking at Herb's emails, and I'm, you know, you can recognize the people, you know, through their email addresses. And it looks to me like Freddie Smith, former Auburn linebacker, NFL linebacker, um, Jimmy Smith. You remember the wide receiver for the Steelers? He played with the Stallions. And, and then a lot of the local guys, 
And Laura's not to just, you know, run on to the mouth, but Herb asked me to MC their dinner tomorrow night, and I just kind of gulped when he asked me because it's a real honor and a privilege to do that. Uh, now, I will say this. I was there when the USFL first announced they were coming to Birmingham. I was there when they announced Raleigh Dodge. I was at the first league meetings in Tampa and the first training camp in Daytona. And unfortunately, three years later, I was at the offices at Legion Field when the phone call came in and said, indeed, the USFL had won their three lawsuits and they received a dollar for each. Boom. End of league. And that was very, very sad. But to be a part of this, I see here Jerry Scar, who was one of the original owners, is going to be there. Um, a good time. They're playing golf right now. And I'm not going to tell you where because uh, you probably know because you'll hear them. But <laughs> Uh, if they're having a great time already this weekend, and it's something that I really look forward to doing tomorrow night. And uh, I just publicly thank Herb Spencer and, and all the stallions for making me a part of it. Because, you know, when you're that young, Lars, and you've experienced this because you and I have similar paths as far as our vocations are concerned. Now, you're SI, I'm local. Um, but your first years when you're immersed into this business, you learn much more from the players and the coaches that you talk to than you will from any textbook <laughs> from, from any other, you know, any other writer or broadcaster and to be around guys that were my age that respected me. And likewise, uh, it gave me a, a real sense of purpose to, to be very honest with you from there on. And more than anything, Lars, and you know, this too, I learned how to make sure that always be truthful, always be honest. And don't ever break your trust. Yeah, it's a it's an odd dynamic when you're a reporter and you're roughly the same age of the people you're covering. And um, but, you know, now all these years later, that's why I'm still, you know, super close with Dale Earnhardt Jr. And, you know, just different guys I covered throughout the years. But about uh, the dinner that you're emceeing, Matt, do you have a. Uh, uh, a story queued up, uh, an anecdote that uh, that you're going to kick off with, or or in, in, in another way to rephrase this: do you, What is your favorite story? Like your go-to, like you're sitting at a dinner party, somebody asks you about the USFL. What is your go-to most riveting story that you have? Uh, I got a couple, and oddly enough, they involve the same guy. Pat Sainton played at Vanderbilt, went on to play with the Saints and the Falcons. But he was a uh, right guard, I think. And I don't know why this struck me as so funny, but they broke the huddle one time and Cliff Stout was, you know, he's looking at the safety, he's looking at his wideouts. <laughs> he, he accidentally gets up under Sainton instead of the center, who in that time was Mark Battaglia. And uh, the look and the quickness in which Pat Sainton turned around because somebody was putting hands on his butt. He's not used to that. Uh, I don't know why that stuff, that just makes me laugh. Uh, <laughs> the, the other one was that the uh, the Stallions and the Steamboats of Memphis did not like each other. Uh, the Stallions did not like Tampa. Raleigh Dotch did not like Steve Spurrier. Uh, and these rivalries, particularly with Memphis, uh, could get rather spicy to say this. But I remember Reggie White played in the USFL. Yeah. He's young, but Reggie White was uh, teeing off on somebody and hit, hit Cliff's out late. Pat Sandin body slammed Reggie White. Can you imagine that? 
red and white. <laughs> but, you know, you'll see that offensive linemen are very loyal to their quarterbacks. And there's a lot of road stories, Lars, that we'll have to talk about later this afternoon. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Reggie White very may well have been the greatest defensive lineman to ever play the game. Uh, rest in peace, Reggie White. And Matt, I'm assuming that the, the first incarnation of the USFL uh, really, it, it's just apples and oranges compared to the second incarnation just because of the, the money that the league had the uh, star power of uh, the number of players that they had. Is that is that accurate to say yeah. that, that they kind of uh, – that the Birmingham Stallions back then really cast a spell over the city, whereas, you know, this uh, version of the Stallions, while, you know, we, we love to go and, and, and they do have a, a core following, it's just not as uh, – as as large, right? Not even close as it was uh, back in the day. No, and I've said this many times. The smartest thing the USFL ever did was have a regional draft. And that allowed a lot of former Alabama and Auburn players to play in Birmingham. And you already had a fan base on them. Here's the biggest difference. Is when the USFL formed in 83, they put all the teams together. And then ABC became their broadcast entity. It was the exact opposite now. The television yeah. network was already there. Now they own the league. So that's it in a nutshell. Uh, Lars, can you give me a Michael Block update when we get back? I want to find out what happened yesterday. You bet. You're listening to Big News Sports. Covering SEC sports like Good Zoo on the roadside. This is Big Noon Sports.
Baker, Lars Anderson, Seb Aiden, and our team is tied 100.9. Lars, uh, I think it was Robbie Flynn sent me a text yesterday of the scorecard of one Michael Block, uh, everybody's hero following the PGA a week ago. And I think over the first five holes, six holes, he had five bogeys and a birdie. Uh, I asked you to do a deep dive for me. I'm still struggling to find what he shot yesterday, but it wasn't good. And did, but didn't he play with Rory again? Um, well, let me just let me dig into this here. Okay, I'll let you. Um, you know, there's a a phrase uh, that is uh, you, you either die a hero or live long enough to become the villain. Uh, well, long enough lasted five days for Michael Block. Uh, he, there's a lot of reasons, but, but golf Twitter just like despises the guy now, uh, surprisingly enough. He's sort of, uh, oversaturated himself. He conducted more than 30 interviews. He came off as, uh, what you could generally, uh, or uh, sorry, generously, generously describe as confident. Uh, and he just, uh, he made, again, some statements that just hit people the wrong way. And, um, he was, you know, he kind of had this aw shucks, uh, showmanship and that, that wore on people. And, and, um, you know, he would, it's like he knew where the cameras were and was talking into the camera and, and granted the on course interviews and, and so, you know, he, uh, just didn't receive, uh, a really warm welcome at the colonial. Uh, and Thursday, boy, he struggled right from the start. Um, and, and if, if, if you want me just to review his story really quick. Oh, please. Um, I want yeah, to know because I, mean, I was really kind of unaware that, uh, he had come off as, I think the word here would be aloof. Is that somewhat correct? Uh, cocky. Cocky. About beyond aloof. Yes. <laughs> yes. Uh, he came off as cocky in the interviews. Oh, uh, I hate that. Yeah. Um, he said in one in a podcast, essentially, that if he could hit the ball as far as Rory McIlroy, he'd be the best player in the world. What a dummy. <laughs> that really, that was sort of the uh, straw that broke the proverbial camel's back. But uh, just remember, his, he was the biggest story outside of Brooks Kepka winning the PGA Championship. He really was the biggest story at the PGA last week. He was the only club pro to make the cut. He earned a weekend pairing with first Justin Rose and then Roy McIlroy. And he became the final round hero with that 15th hole ace uh, and a clutch up and down to get in the clubhouse tied for 15th, uh, which meant that he's guaranteed a berth in the PGA Championship at Valhalla next year. Um, but, but, so he, uh, he also qualified for the Colonial, which uh, started uh, yesterday. And he struggled right out of the gate. He bogeyed uh, his three opening holes, bounced back with a couple birdies to get it two over at the turn. Uh, but then ultimately uh, was just, just fell apart on the back nine, three bogeys, three doubles. He ultimately finished at 81, which was 11 over par. 
And that was last on the leaderboard, not by one shot, not by two shots, not by five, but by four. He was okay. four shots below the second worst player on the on the on the board. So uh, uh, it, it, some like view this as a little of uh, cosmic justice, uh, <laughs> um, uh, or you know a little comeuppance for uh, his uh, you know his actions while the spotlight was on him, but the spotlight is now off of him. And, uh, he, uh, I know Robbie texted us. And I think said something yeah. in effect is this guy drunk. He was playing so bad, but, um, you know, he, again, he just, he, he, if you, if you follow golf Twitter and I do, um, there's just been a lot of backlash. And, and the, the first one is that, it, one reason is that golf, just, it, it's like golf doesn't have a sustained appetite for underdogs. Uh, they, golf likes the guy, golf Twitter really, they like the guys who are week in and week out are competing for, for wins. And it's, it's weird. Uh, it, it, it's, you know, I don't really understand that, but it, it, it's there's a there's a history of it. Um, but you know, uh, I don't know. Like, it, it was a nice story, um, but as I said, um, I, I think he was overexposed. I think he came off a little too like uh, the performance artist that he wasn't genuine. Uh, a little cocky uh, and was a real fan favorite and uh, I think that he, he actually was reading stuff that was being written about him by you know golf fans on Twitter Twitter and I think that the shadow of confidence and have confidence in the game of golf and you are really constructive. That wraps up the first hour of Big Noon Sports. I want to talk to you about how you can go from hero to goat. Well, now you can't use that terminology anymore. We'll talk more about block and several other stories that popped up on the radar here recently on Big Noon Sports. This is Reagan, owner of R&R Cigars, the Cigar Mansion in downtown Tuscaloosa. Located at 2703 6th Street across from the Home 2 Suites. Come down to R&R and see why we're the ultimate cigar and bourbon experience. With over 165 bourbons and five private barrels, our selection of bourbon is unmatched. We have the best cocktails around and our cigar selection is legendary. Our lounge and service are world class. Come and experience the luxury of the mansion and see why it's a world-renowned cigar and spirits destination. 
The universal truth of women's shoes. The cuter they are, the more they hurt. You have to put your best foot forward, and if your best foot is an ugly shoe, oh my goodness. Lisanne thought she had to choose between looking good and feeling good until she got fitted for arch supports at the Good Feet store. Now I can wear the shoes that I've picked out because I like the way they look, not because they were comfortable. Good Feet relieved her pain and her fashion dilemma. Stop by or schedule your free fitting at goodfeet.com. My caretaker was very rough with me. I thought they did it because I wasn't moving fast enough. Elder abuse is a crime, and together we can stop it. If you or someone you know has been abused, neglected, or exploited, call the Adult Abuse Hotline at 1-800-458-7214. That's 1-800-458-7214. Sponsored by the Alabama Department of Human Resources, the Department of Justice, ADECA grant number 18-VA-VS-050, the ABA, and this station. No matter. From our home base in Birmingham, Alabama, we are here treating patients from every generation across the United States and from around the world. We're here for the rookies and the dreamers trying to make a name for themselves. We are here for the achievers who are resilient and won't take no for an answer. We're here for the coaches, athletic trainers, and mentors who are shaping the next generation of legends. We are here for you aggressively pursuing victory over injury. Learn more at andrewsportsmedicine.com. Tide 100.9, Tuscaloosa weather. The sky partly to mostly sunny this afternoon. Just a small chance of a shower through the evening hours. The high today 83, tonight's low 55. For tomorrow and Sunday, partially sunny both days. Only isolated showers around. Highs between 77 and 80. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 81 degrees in Tuscaloosa. The story of the nurse and the foot pain that nearly brought him down. I feel like I'm giving people their lives back. Robert lived to take care of his patients, but he couldn't do it unless he took care of his foot pain. I have plantar fasciitis. It'll almost put you on your knees. That's how much it hurts. His own recovery started when he got fitted for arch supports at the Goodfeet store. Now that I'm pain-free, I can make these people feel better. Can't beat that. Stop by or schedule your free fitting at goodfeet.com. Right here in Birmingham, Alabama. We are here treating patients from every generation across the United States and from around the world. As respected industry leaders, we are here working hard for you in an effort to provide you with excellence in sports medicine, excellence in research and education, and excellence in sports injury prevention. We are here for you, aggressively pursuing victory over injury. Learn more at andrewsportsmedicine.com. Discover credit. The children's music and dance teacher who couldn't cha-cha. I was always on my feet. It was just so painful. Elisa couldn't let her students down. So she stepped up and went to the Good Feet store for personally fitted arch supports. I would work an entire day and my feet didn't hurt at the end of the day. That was when I knew, wow, these are different. But the really good part, it's good to be dancing together again. Stop by or schedule your free fitting at goodfeet.com. Securing the best mortgage possible requires a lender who has knowledge, is trustworthy, and treats customers like family. And no one is better at all of this than the mortgage miracle worker, 
Haley Sansing. Based right here in Tuscaloosa, Haley Sansing has spent decades working in the mortgage industry. With Haley, it's personal, holding your hand from contract to close. With Haley, it's about one thing, you. Call Haley on her cell, yes, her cell, 205-792-1813. That's 205-792-1813. Let Haley help you. NLMS number 230376. WTUG HD2 Northport and W265CG Tuscaloosa. Tide 100.9 and screaming on the Tide 100.9 app. Welcome back to Big Noon Sports with Lars Anderson, Matt Coulter, and Christian Miller. Hey, back on the show. Thanks for the intro. We are being presented by Haley Sanderson, Union Home Mortgage. We got so quickly off the blocks in the first hour. I buried the lead in some senses because the most important thing today and through Monday is it's Memorial Day weekend. And uh, it is special for many, many reasons. Um, your dad is buried at Arlington. I mean, what an honor. Uh, and my father and his four siblings all served in the Air Force. Um, but this is for those that passed while defending our country. And um, I just really want to emphasize that uh, that was not put on a back burner. We just had to jump into something. But I know Memorial Day weekend means a lot to you, Lars. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I try to get up to Arlington National Cemetery about uh, at least uh, two, three times a year. My brother lives in in Washington, D.C., in the district. And we literally can uh, just, like, ride bikes over over the river, over the Potomac, uh, into Virginia and into, uh, Arlington. And he is, uh, in the columbarium. Uh, and, uh, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a special place. I mean, I, I encourage everybody to go visit Arlington National when, uh, you're in DC and, and, and carve out, you know, three, three or four hours. Um, it's, it's quite hilly, so it, it's a, it's a good walk, but there are trams that can take you around. But, uh, my dad served 43 years in the Navy, uh, served in Japan, uh, for three years, uh, and then, uh, became a, a lawyer and he was, uh, um, uh, so he basically was a, a naval attorney, but he was also, uh, serving, uh, uh, weekends and, and, um, you know, w- would have been ready, uh, ready to go, would have been called if, uh, if, if needed. But his three years of active over in Japan really, uh, shaped his life. And also my mother was with him and, and they, they just loved it. It was, uh, before they had children and, and um they they really grew to love the 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 people of japan and um and you know my my dad just absolutely loved uh the army navy game um you know obviously a big big navy supporter um one of our goals was to uh, attend an army navy game we never got that chance uh he died at a relatively young age 
and uh and uh but his his uh his um you know he always talked about being in Arlington and uh you know he knew that's where he was going to be be buried and uh and and uh always said that he he wanted the he wanted to, you know, to be guarded at the gates, <laughs> and uh, he is. Uh, I gave the eulogy at his funeral, and uh, boy, it, it is quite the experience of uh, really going through a funeral with the the horse drawn carriage, um, the twenty one gun salute, uh, the presentation of the American flag, which is. Uh, right above me right now his flag uh it's you know when uh, a, a high-ranking member of the navy uh, uh got got you know folded up the flag that was on the, the, the that the, that they had uh and uh you know gets down on a knee uh in front of my mom and says you know on behalf of a grateful nation and the president of the united states and you know hands over the flag it's it's quite a moment and then you know right after that to to give a a talk about my dad but i had uh i had written it out and uh before his his place in the columbarium was sealed uh we i was able to put the the copy of that speech right right next to him so that's in there with him and and before he was cremated we put uh this is probably too much information but uh we put uh um you know just mementos from his life uh with him and uh but it's a special special place and uh and so yes to me memorial day weekend is is a, is is a time for everyone to reflect on all the sacrifices that have been made and the uh and the sacrifices that are being made and the sacrifices that will be made uh in the future by young men and young women all across the united states um you know when to uh to to really uh, uphold the the principles of uh, of democracy that we hold so dear all around the world. Lars, I want to uh, share a story here too. When uh, we had such great parents, and when my parents would take vacations, yeah, we'd go to the beach, we'd go to Six Flags, you know, we'd go to amusement parks, but they always included something that they felt would be educational. And we went up into the D.C. area. And my dad made it a point that we go to Arlington and we see the changing of the guard at the Tomb of the Unknown Soldier. I was only 11 years old at the time, and I really about all I wanted to do was play baseball or watch baseball. Um, but when I watched that with such precision and honor, uh, it gave me a newfound respect for our country and those that gave their lives protecting it. And if you've never seen it in person, it should be on your bucket list. At the very least, Google it and watch it because I'm getting a, a little welled up just talking about it. Lars, you've seen it. It's one of the most impactful American traditions that I've ever seen in my life. Yeah, and it, um, you know, just <laughs> there, there are. It's, 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 uh, it is really a, a, a ritual that, is unlike any other 
Um, and, uh, you know, it's just a, the remains of an unknown soldier in a tomb. And it is guarded 24 hours a day, 365 days a year. Um, and then they have the, the, the change and then the guard goes sort of back and forth, uh, in front of it in a, in a perfectly straight line. Uh, and I believe it's like 19 and a half steps. I, I, I forget the number of steps, but it's the same number of steps every single time. And, uh, and it's a very formal changing of the guard and it's a way to, um, honor those soldiers who were never identified and, and never, uh, or who never, you know, came back. Um, and, uh, yeah, it's really powerful. Um, the, uh, the gravesite of John F. Kennedy is very powerful. He's got, uh, an, an eternal flame there uh I, I was there once and it was raining and the eternal flame was out but uh <laughs> for the for the most part way to go Lars. yeah i know <laughs> uh but the uh yeah no it's 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 always going on and there's just uh yeah so it, it's it, it is just amazing to walk around and and just see uh the tombstones from you know uh Gosh, from this so long, from World War One and World War Two, and and it's going back so far, there is just so much history. And there's actually, a, and again, getting a little deep in the weeds here, but they are starting to run out of space, and it's encroaching uh, on a, uh, a a golf course. And the golf course is, is I, I believe, it's owned by, it's basically run, and it, it's a fancy golf course for, uh, for, uh, army officers. And the army, I, I believe, uh, I could be a little off on this, but I believe there's sort of a political fight because these guys don't want to lose their golf course. Um, but, uh, but yeah, it is just, it is a special, special place. My mom told me a story on how that particular casket was selected. And you always believe your mom. And I don't know if you've heard this story or not, but I'll share it with you on the other side of this break. You're listening to Big Noon Sports. The best sports talk in Alabama. This is Big Noon Sports. Work is a part of all of us. We know that the world around us has changed. And that's why the Alabama Department of Labor is here to get you back to working hard. Work is a part of all of us. Let us help you get back to it. By visiting your local career center or alabamaworks.alabama.gov. Funding provided by the USDOL, ETA, and Federal WIOA, an equal opportunity employer program. Auxiliary aids and services available upon request. Brought to you by this station and the Alabama Broadcasters Association. Tide 100.9, Tuscaloosa weather. The sky partly to mostly sunny this afternoon. Just a small chance of a shower through the evening hours. The high today, 83. Tonight's low, 55. For tomorrow and Sunday, partially sunny both days. Only isolated showers around. Highs between 77 and 80. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 82 degrees in Tuscaloosa.
BigNewsSports.com, Twitter at Big News Sports. Bars and Matt, just wrapping up the week, wrapping up a Friday. Boy, what a weekend. Alabama softball, Alabama baseball, both tonight. Uh, the Stallions play tomorrow. And, of course, it's Memorial Day weekend. As we wrap up our conversation, uh, Lars and I were talking about the Tomb of the Unknown Soldier and how impactful and patriotic that, that event is just to go watch. But um, there were four bodies um, from World War II, um, World War One actually, that were placed in like a chamber. They were all unknown soldiers. And I just always thought this was cool that uh, a sergeant was selected, Edward Younger, and he was given the task of making the selection. He had a spray of white roses. And it was his job of the four caskets to select the one that is now at Arlington. They're all at Arlington, but I'm talking about the Tomb of the Unknown Soldier. And doesn't go any detail, and why does it? But Younger, the sergeant, walked in with the roses, and he was to mark the chosen casket. He circled the four unknown soldiers three times, then placed the flowers on the third casket from the left, then he faced the body, stood at attention, and saluted. Um, I just, that always struck me as emotionally. Because uh, I remember my mother telling me that story when we were standing there. So all, all very, very cool. Uh, yeah. Lars. Um, and, and also uh, about the uh, changing of the guard, the, um, the, 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 the sentinel, uh, the guard, he marches exactly 21 steps down a, a black mat uh, behind the tomb, right, and then turns, faces east, and then for 21 seconds he waits 21 seconds, then uh, he faces north for 21 seconds, and then takes 21 steps back down the mat and repeats the process. So why 21 steps? Why 21 seconds? It's because the number 21 symbolizes the highest military honor that can be bestowed, hence the 21-gun salute. So there's your history lesson for the day. Uh, I think we've provided some really good information here. Hey, Lars, we were talking earlier about Michael Block, and I guess no better way to describe it than his collapse. I mean, he goes, did he finish even or plus one at the PGA? But he was 15th. At the PGA, okay? Yeah. Uh, and he became everybody's darling, particularly when he jarred his seven iron on 15. But since then, he's kind of spoken out of turn, said some things that weren't very popular, and then he goes out, was it plus 11 yesterday? Yes. But, you know, it's just, you play golf, I play golf, we both played sports, and this is a part of sports that if anybody can ever figure out how to resolve this issue they'll be the greatest athlete in the history of the world but it's just amazing Lars that you can go to Highland and you can play in striker strong tournament and you hit the ball crisply I mean let's say that if you've been keeping score you'd have shot a 81 but then the next day you go back to the same course in the same conditions and shoot an 88 um or a, or a 95 uh, it is uh, it is uh, a very unforgiving sport, but then so are all sports. You know, you look at three point shooters. 
they'll make seven in a row, and then the next game they'll be 0 of 11. Uh, baseball is n- notorious for having their droughts. Uh, pitchers get bombed and throw no hitters the next game out. Um, hitters will be hitting 500, and suddenly they can't get on base for 21 at-bats. Football is the same way. Lars, you owe one of wisdom. How does that happen? Explain it to me. <laughs> What's the question again? I'm sorry. We're, we're going to have uh, Al Del Greco join us uh, here in about seven minutes okay. uh, to, to dig deeper on uh, on Michael Block and what transpired at the PGA and also um, just to talk some, some some football. I mean, Al's a fountain of knowledge when it comes to everything. Uh, and the fact that he played 18 years in the NFL and was one of the NFL all-time greats uh, is, is, is uh, always interesting, makes for an interesting conversation. So I, I'm sorry, Matt, I, I missed the question. No, um, I actually uh, I made a very long question when it should be simple. How can you shoot, personally, Lars, going out to Highland, shoot a 79 one day and a 95 the next? How oh, that happen? Uh, that's, a, that's a great question. Um, it's just some days you feel it and some days you don't. And it, it has to do with, uh, what is between your ears. Uh, and it's, it, it's confidence in your swing. It's, uh, you know, for me, if I, if I hit that first ball off the tee, uh, well, like, you know, just straight and, uh, and, and it feels good. Uh, then I can just sort of repeat that motion, you know, for the rest of the day. You know exactly what you need to do. I mean, and there's certain things that I that I focus on that help me. Like I always try to keep the club on the ground in my backswing as long as I can, because that helps me just go sort of straight back and then straight down, uh, almost somewhat like a pendulum. Um, but, uh, you know, and, and I have different sort of, uh, swing thoughts and, but when I'm struggling, I, uh, will have to try to use like different swing thoughts. And I mean, this is just for me. I, it, it's a hard question, but I, uh, to, uh, to answer for, for, uh, PGA pros, but we can ask Al Del Greco this very same question. But when you, when you're struggling just to, to find that rhythm, uh, it, it's almost just like, you know, you've lost your game. And it, it's in, and, and, and the, the frustration builds and then you start rushing things. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, you, you see the, the pros, they go through a, a, a ritual really almost before every shot. Uh, except Brooks Kepka, who just gets up there and smashes the crap out of the ball. <laughs> um, but, uh, but yeah, we'll, we'll talk to Del Greco about this on the other side, man. He, uh, played, of course, at Auburn and then he went on to a very successful career in the National Football League with the Dolphins, Go Packers, uh, with St. Louis and the Phoenix Cardinals. Here, this is interesting, the way they have this listed. Al Del Greco is the kicker for the Houston Oilers slash Tennessee Oilers slash Tennessee Titans. We'll talk with Al on the other side of the break. You're listening to Big News Sports presented by Haley Tansing, Union Home Mortgage.
This is the Big Noon Sports Network. Work is a part of all of us. We know that the world around us has changed. And that's why the Alabama Department of Labor is here to get you back to working hard. Work is a part of all of us. Let us help you get back to it by visiting your local career center or alabamaworks.alabama.gov. Funding provided by the USDOL, EPA, and Federal WIOA, an equal opportunity employer program. Auxiliary aids and services available upon request. Brought to you by this station and the Alabama Broadcasters Association. The story of the nurse and the foot pain that nearly brought him down. I feel like I'm giving people their lives back. Robert lived to take care of his patients, but he couldn't do it unless he took care of his foot pain. I have plantar fasciitis. It'll almost put you on your knees. That's how much it hurts. His own recovery started when he got fitted for arch supports at the Good Feet store. Now that I'm pain-free, I can make these people feel better. Can't beat that. Stop by or schedule your free fitting at goodfeet.com. patients from every generation across the United States and from around the world. We're here for the rookies and the dreamers trying to make a name for themselves. We are here for the achievers who are resilient and won't take no for an answer. We're here for the coaches, athletic trainers, and mentors who are shaping the next generation of legends. We are here for you aggressively pursuing victory over injury. Learn more at andrewsportsmedicine.com. Great. Dragon, owner of R&R Cigars, the Cigar Mansion in downtown Tuscaloosa. Located at 2703 6th Street across from the Home Two Suites. Come down to R&R and see why we're the ultimate cigar and bourbon experience. With over 165 bourbons and five private barrels, our selection of bourbon is unmatched. We have the best cocktails around and our cigar selection is legendary. Our lounge and service are world class. Come and experience the luxury of the mansion and see why it's a world-renowned cigar and spirits destination. I can go from zero to 60 way too fast. <laughs> Who knew electric vehicle owners were having so much fun? 20 or 30 years ago, I owned a, a gas sports car, and this car is much quicker. It's a great, fun car to drive. When you put your foot on the accelerator, it just goes. They're fun, they're fast, they're efficient. Visit driveelectricalabama.com to learn how you can start having fun driving an electric vehicle. Sponsored by the Alabama Clean Fuels Coalition, the ABA, and this station. Friday baseball tonight. You got uh, Alabama Vandy in the late and LSU and Texas A&M this afternoon and early evening. Uh, big things going on this weekend. We'll talk more about that as the as the show progresses. But let's bring on one of our favorite guests and quite honestly, uh, one of my favorite people, Automatic Al Al Del Greco, seventeen year NFL vet. Of course, if you play for the Packers, you will always be top shelf material for me. But I was back here, I was reading some of the things about you, and I was reminded in 1982, you kicked six field goals against Kentucky, uh, which remains a record today. I think Daniel Carlson may have tied it recently, um, within the uh, 2016, I think. Al, did you know that that was the first college football game I ever covered as a TV reporter? That Kentucky game was? Yep. I didn't know that, no. And I remember interviewing you after the game. and Because, uh, man, you were the story. That, that was all Auburn's points. What? Yeah, it was 18-3. to three. That's what, They only kicked a field goal, too. <laughs> yeah. So, oh. to most people, that was a very boring game, Matt. 
Uh, it wasn't to me. I was excited. The first thing that impressed the hell out of me is I walked up to the press box for the first time I'd ever been in a major press box like that, and I couldn't believe the spread. David Housel used to feed the media uh, with royalty. It was just incredible. But anyway, Alan, if you take off on that tangent so quickly, uh, what I wanted to ask you, and one of the things that Lars and I have been talking about is quite simply, how can you go to finishing even or 15th in the in the PGA and then turn around and play a course much easier, in my opinion, Colonial, and there's 14, 15 strokes difference. Uh, how does that happen? You're a golfer. Yeah, I mean, go- golf is a strange sport. Even uh, those guys that play every week, you kind of see them go through spurts where, you know, they have two, three, four weeks in a row where they're playing well, and then just kind of clicks in and you're struggling with one part of your game and anybody that plays golf knows that you know if, if you're struggling with a part and mistakes happen those strokes add up really quickly so uh you know he he probably was very prepared for the pga and then this kind of got thrown on him you know when they invited him after he finished 15th last week and uh you know he's just living a dream and it's you know, it just shows you how good those guys actually are to do it week in and week out. Al, how, how close were you to uh, getting your PGA Tour card? Not very at all. <laughs> okay. Let me turn right here. Uh, I, I did mini tour stuff for about a year and a half after I uh, retired from football and found out very quickly I wasn't good enough to do it, number one. And number two, I just, it wasn't kind of the lifestyle that I was looking for. What, just with, with the with the travel? The travel and, you know, I had kids at home. I was in a hotel by myself. And let's face it, you know, you, you play four, four and a half hours a day and maybe practice for two. The rest of the time, you're just all by yourself. And staring at those walls, wondering what the kids were doing at home and missing out on their sporting events, it just it wasn't something that, you know, kind of resonated with me. Plus, like I said, I, I found out very quickly I wasn't I wasn't good enough to do that anyway. So it, it was kind of an easy decision, but I've loved playing golf ever since. I still love playing. It's still frustrating, but it's a <laughs> great game. And if. You know, anybody has any desire to get into that, I would say try it. It's going to take a lot of time and a lot of patience, but, man, it's it's a great game. Yeah, I, I just got my son a, a really nice set of clubs, and he he loves he loves golf. It's the golf and baseball are his two things. Um, what advice would you give would you give me and other parents out there? Uh, who have children that are showing interest in the game, what is the best way to uh, help them develop? Depending on the age, but I think, you know, even if you're starting, I started probably when I was about 12. uh, But I think, you know, the most important thing is that they get the fundamentals down correctly first. And by that, I mean, you know, get a proper grip, Learn where the ball needs to be in your stance. Get a great, a good stance. Um, understand, you know, what the clubs are, uh, how they're different and, you know, just 
kind of learned the game slowly from that standpoint. But I think, you know, the, after that, you just kind of let them do what they do and hit balls and figure stuff out for themselves because there are fundamentals, but everybody's swing is a little bit different. So there really isn't one way to teach it. But, you know, obviously you have to have a good grip and you've got to know where the ball goes in your stance if you want to hit it high, low, you know, how you hit a cut, how you hit a draw, all that kind of stuff. And just let them go and have fun and enjoy the sport. And don't don't put too much pressure on them when they're young. I can teach anybody that want to learn how to slice. Oh. <laughs> Hey, I, I said cut. I said cut, Matt, not slice. I know slice. you did. I, know, I don't know how to cut it, but I do know how to slice it. Uh, <laughs> hey, let me out a couple of questions just in, on your personal golf career. Uh, three here real quick. Have you ever had a hole-in-one? If so, where? What's your best round ever? If so, where? And what's your biggest tournament win, whether it be a pro-am or, a, you know, some kind of scramble tournament? Uh, I've had six hole in ones. No way. Um, two, two of them, two of them at Greystone, two of them at the golf club of Tennessee in Vince Gill's golf tournament. Uh, one in Auburn and one in, uh, another one in Nashville up at, uh, oh, what's the name of that? Brentwood Country Club. Wow. <laughs> and I would say, uh, my lowest round ever was last year. I, I was playing from the senior tees now. It wasn't from the back tees, but uh, I shot 63 in a tournament in Auburn at, at Indian Pines and won the won the senior division of the tournament. Wow. That didn't <laughs> win the tournament outright? Uh, I had a pretty good lead going into the second day, yes. <laughs> uh, okay. Uh, I got gotcha. you. Um, but I think, you know, overall, I think the, the biggest one was the year, you know, the celebrity tours that we played, the one that they play out in Lake Tahoe every year. That was one that I really wanted to win. And I played, gosh, I probably paid 12 or 13 years and then finally won in, uh, what was it, 2009, I guess, or 1999, right before, right after we won the Super Bowl or played in the Super Bowl uh, that next July, uh, went in there and won Tahoe, and that was probably the biggest tournament I won. I, the NFL used to have a tournament with the Champions Tour that they played up in New Jersey, and I won that five times. I won it four in a row and then lost once and then won it again. But uh, that was just against NFL players. The one in Tahoe's against all the best celebrities from other sports and everything. Yeah, wow. it's a big, big deal. Great TV. Oh, and do it, you play it, with it, Charles it, Barkley? It, and what is that like? I've, I played with Charles many times. Um, I can go back to probably the early '90s when we started the Celebrity Tour. They had a tour, uh, a tournament up in Canada. And it was the first year Michael Jordan was going to play. And they actually paired me, Charles, and Michael together. Whoa. Obviously, they put they put Charles and Michael together because of the star power. They knew I knew Charles and thought it would just be a, a good idea just to have me in there and, and do that. So 
that was probably a highlight of my my golfing career too. But uh, Charles actually, you know, before he got in that swing mess, he's actually got a pretty good short game and a pretty good putter. Um, and now he's kind of back where he's gotten over that mental part where he has that hitch in his swing. But um, he loves the game and, you know, doesn't take it too serious. But, and, you know, knows the fans want to see him play and want to see him hit some crazy shots and goes along with it. Well, uh, speaking of Auburn, uh, how do you think that the – early tenure of uh, Coach Hugh Freeze is going. Uh, how do you think he's doing in the transfer portal? Just your overall impression of uh, Hugh Freeze so far down on the Plains. Well, uh, you know, there's really no way to judge it yet. Um, I do think, what do they got, over 20, 20 players now that they got in the portal. So uh, a big part of that roster has been overhauled. Um We've had guys leave, transfer out, and such. So, and you got to wait and see how these guys pan out. The people that have come in, uh, I know they got they just got that quarterback uh, that they think very highly of. Um, Michigan, my understanding, you. yeah, my understanding was, you know, he wasn't particularly uh, confident in what happened after spring, so. What that means, I, I really don't know. But in in the SEC, you've got to have a quarterback that you have confidence in and that cannot turn the football over. Doesn't necessarily have to win games for you, but he can't lose them, and he's got to make plays at times. And let's face it, we've lacked that the last couple of years, and it's put a lot of pressure on the running game. They load up the box and put eight, eight nine guys in the box, and then you can't run the football. Uh when you can't run it and it's hard to throw it, it's hard to score points. And I think, you know, our defense has played well the last couple of years, but uh, we had we had no offensive production to go along with it. So Hugh Freeze done a great job developing quarterbacks in the past. Um, you know, he, if it's Robbie Ashford uh, or the other kid or, or the kid from Michigan State, you know, I, I have every faith that, uh, that he'll be able to turn them into something – uh, that's that's a success, and we can win with. Okay, totally away from sports. Sunday is National Hamburger Day. Al, where is your go-to burger? Oh wow, um, I have a, a few. I, I like uh, Mudtown in in uh, Cahaba Heights is really good. Mooyah Burger, I like. Um, if I could go anywhere and have one anywhere, it would be an In-N-Out Burger from out west. Those are phenomenal. Um, but there, there really, Matt, you can look at me and tell there isn't really a hamburger I don't like. Put it that way. <laughs> <laughs> well, that can be similar. What about you, Lars? Where's your go-to burger? Aren't you used to live over there near Mudtown, and they are good. I did. Uh, my favorite place is uh, on my deck on my grill. Uh, <laughs> I, I like Homemade, baby. Yeah. <laughs> Plus, the refrigerator is right there. <laughs> yeah. Um, Al, switching back to golf, uh, what are your thoughts on Brooks, Brooks Kepka and his performance at the PGA? 
And also, there's been a lot of talk about pace of play uh, going back to the Masters and the aggravation that one certain golfer caused everybody. Uh, was pace of play ever uh, an issue when you were playing competitive golf? Or even as uh, you're coaching golf now, is pace of play an issue? Yeah, I mean, there's always certain people that you really don't call them slow. You call them deliberate. Is is probably a the political way of the political okay. correct way of saying it. But uh, yeah, I think you know with what happened at the Masters, that that was a a problem in my mind. I don't know if that particularly affected Brooks there, and is the reason that he couldn't finish on Sunday. Um, I do think he's a heck of a, a player. I'm happy to see that he's healthy again and and doing what he's doing. I mean, five majors in the time that he's played. Uh, is absolutely phenomenal. Um, you know, I, I think I think the tour needs to do a better job of penalizing the guys that are that are taking too long. Because in the rules of golf, you have 40 seconds to hit a shot, and it's subjective when that time clock starts. Uh, it's different if you're the first one to hit. You know, but I, I do think there are certain people, like you said that have gotten out of hand with it. And I think, like any other sport, you need to adhere to the rules and the people that are in charge need to enforce them. And I, I think that's all the players were really asking back then, too. Hey, have a great Memorial Day weekend. I know we caught you on the fly and uh, appreciate it times two. Have a great weekend. Enjoy your time with your family. I know you will. You got it. Thank you guys very much. And thank all those that served and gave us the freedom that we experience every single day. We really appreciate that. Thank you, Al. Really appreciate your, your time and, uh, and have a great uh, extended weekend and uh, good luck with everything moving forward. We'll be in touch soon. Okay. Anytime, guys. Thanks. Automatic Al. All right. Uh, when we come back, Lars... I have a, a question specifically for you about Nick Saban. And we're going to deal with that on the other side of the break as you listen to the final moments of Big Noon Sports presented by Haley Sansing, Union Home Mortgage. Covering SEC sports like kids do on the roadside. This is Big Noon Sports. Hi. Did you know not washing your hands after using the bathroom can increase the spread of hepatitis A? Washing your hands with soap and water, as well as getting vaccinated, is the best way to protect yourself if you are at risk of getting hepatitis A. One dose of the hepatitis A vaccine provides long-lasting protection in up to 95% of those who receive it. For more information on the hepatitis A outbreak in our state, visit alabamapublichealth.gov forward slash IMM. Sponsored by the Alabama Department of Public Health, the ABA, and this station. Securing the best mortgage possible requires a lender who has knowledge, is trustworthy, and treats customers like family. And no one is better at all of this than the mortgage miracle worker, 
Haley Sansing. Based right here in Tuscaloosa, Haley Sansing has spent decades working in the mortgage industry. With Haley, it's personal, holding your hand from contract to close. With Haley, it's about one thing, you. Call Haley on her cell, yes, her cell, 205-792-1813. That's 205-792-1813. Let Haley help you. NLMS number 230376. Tide 100.9, Tuscaloosa weather. The sky partly to mostly sunny this afternoon. Just a small chance of a shower through the evening hours. The high today, 83. Tonight's low, 55. For tomorrow and Sunday, partially sunny both days. Only isolated showers around. Highs between 77 and 80. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 83 degrees in Tuscaloosa. A national championship team covering a national championship team. The best sports talk. In the state, Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. Hey, to ask you something here, Lars, and I may have kind of asked this earlier in the week. I'm not really sure, but for the sake of Fun Friday, let's do it again. Um, let's say that you are a 30-year-old Alabama graduate, and you just happen to be visiting the ruins in Rome. And you look up there next to the steps that you can no longer sit on. And here comes uh, Nick and Miss Terry, his kids, grandkids, you know, they're on their family vacation. Do you approach him? Mm. Uh, me personally, I would not. But um, I can understand why someone would. And if you would, uh, you know, just say, hey, coach, roll tide. And if he wants to engage you in a conversation, uh, that would be great. If he doesn't, just let him move on and enjoy his uh, private time with his family because his private time with uh, Miss Terry and the grandkids and his kids is very, very limited. And, uh, and I'm sure that this, uh, this trip was, uh, I assume they're back. Maybe they're not. Um, but because he had his golf tournament Monday. Oh yes. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sorry. Uh, I'm sure that that trip, uh, was, was very special and, uh, to him and to the family and probably took a long time to plan. And, and, you know, you, you just don't want to have to deal with, um, you know, f- fans that, uh, that, that really are kind of invading your privacy. Exactly. It, it, it's, it, it's his private time, but, you know, I don't think there's any huge harm in just saying, hey, coach, roll tide, you know, and then yeah. and he'll give you a roll tide back, but then move on. But again, then if, he, if he wants to engage you in a conversation, uh, that's wonderful. If not, uh, then just move along. How, how would you what would you do? Uh, you know, you and I are uh, very much alike in a lot of ways. And that's exactly I don't think if his entire family, if it was Terry and all the kids and everything, I don't even think I'm going to say roll tide. Um, yeah. Because in no, the key word in all of this discussion is family. 
Now, if he's strolling around by himself, I might walk up and talk to him and say, how's it going? Have you seen Lars lately? Um, actually, I think the great question to be to walk up to him is just go, hey, aren't you Dabo Sweeney? <laughs> <laughs> That'd be pretty funny. Or you could ask him who the starting quarterback's going to be. Now, that is an even better question. <laughs> because I would bet even in Rome, he would get a big chuckle out of that. And then just cruise on by. Have a good vacation. See you, Coach. <laughs> but I have noticed in all of the things that have been posted on the Internet that several people did engage him. He was very gracious, as you would expect. And I think for the most part, most of the people, and I, I don't know that anybody that wasn't, they were very uh, aware of his time and his vacation with his family. So yeah. I think it's all been good. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, you know, the, there's a saying, all roads lead to Rome, uh, because of the, uh, and they actually do right there in Rome. It's like a, a spoke, like a, a spokes on a uh on a a bicycle wheel um but for nick saban all all questions lead to the quarterback issue uh and we could probably talk about that every single day from now until opening uh the season opener and people would be fascinated by it but you know we simply just don't know and i'm sure he doesn't even know he may have an inkling like who he thinks is going to emerge but, you know, he always says it's he lets the players kind of decide, you know, who wins over the team. And, you know, that happened with Jake Coker. That happened with Jalen Hurts. He just lets things play out over the course of time. And that's why I wouldn't be surprised if we saw multiple quarterbacks uh, in games. One, and two, play. Three. Yeah. 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 I mean, I, I think I, even even against Texas. Uh, there, there may be a, a dual quarterback uh, rotation going on. Well, I heard Nick was in Rome including kicks. <laughs> All right. Hey, Lars, have a great weekend. We'll talk again, not in 22 hours, but whatever it is, I can do the math fast enough. How about Monday at noon? See ya. Sounds great. See you, everybody. Have a great weekend.